Thank you for listening in right now. Glad you could join us. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's have a conversation. Connect with Greener Thoughts online by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in the show notes. You can also connect via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. everyone so next segment is up and it's all about the announcements for this episode so I just want to reiterate to you um, just some really great holidays that are to be celebrated and um, one of them is the start and it's just remembering that March is uh, National uh, Women's History Month in the U.S. And then also uh, number two holiday to celebrate um, any uh, March is Taxonomist Appreciation Day. And that's on March the 19th. Uh, Meat Out is um, a type of holiday that promotes vegetarian diets so it's usually celebrated and held on the first day of spring officially which starts uh, always in the latter uh, earlier uh, months like sprint like march like april so on or about march 20th is the official meat out day so anyone who is a vegetarian who wants to promote that diet can do so on that day Um, And then number four is the World Sparrow Day, and that's on March 20th. The fifth holiday is the Spring uh, Equinox, and it's held annually on March the 21st. Number six holiday is World Planting Day, and that's on March 21st. Anyone who loves planting, loves a green thumb um, that they have, is great uh, with a garden tool. Uh, me personally, personally, I love gardening, um, and so March 21st is the day for everyone who loves being outside. Uh, number seven is World Wood Day, and that's on March 21st as well. And then last but not least is number eight, which is World Forestry Day, or also International Day of Forests. That is also on March the 21st, so you have four holidays on uh, March 21st. So next is the segment, Headlines from the Hemispheres. It's a quick briefing on environmental news globally. And so one of the first headlines is all about the coronavirus and pets. So from cats and dogs, they can't give the coronavirus, though they can test positive Uh, And you can learn more about that news piece on HuffPost in the green section. So this news comes out of Hong Kong, China. And it's interesting because it has to do with pets and whether they be cats or dogs, they cannot pass the coronavirus to humans, but they can test in low, low levels of the pathogen of this virus um, if they uh, get it from their human owners. So humans... It passes to pets, but pets cannot infect uh, a human just by chance. That just cannot happen. It doesn't cross um, that barrier there. 
And so uh, how this was discovered was that Hong Kong's agricultural um, agriculture um, fisheries and their conservation department, they actually put out a statement and they said, quote, there is currently no evidence that pet animals can be a source of infection of COVID-19 or that they become sick, end quote. So you may be able to, of course, keep an, an eye on your animals, make sure they're safe. But um, as far as the human uh, element there, uh, humans are way more at risk uh, for the coronavirus. Now, the department itself, it says that it wants uh, anyone who has any pets, including uh, dogs, cats, or any other animals uh, within the household where someone is positive, uh, make sure that they be put, of course, in quarantine. Next uh, news piece is that as coronavirus uh, fears soar, Europe moves to ban wasteful ghost flights. Now, that news was from uh, gris.org, a really great site for all things uh, environmental, and they have tons of different categories, so you can look at the news that they have there. Really great information. So according to IATA, uh, the aviation industry could lose $113 billion in revenue uh, if the uh, pandemic continues. In the UK and in Germany, they both have actually requested relief uh, from the 80% rule while aviation recovers from the coronavirus uh, across the pond. And so the 80% rule, I looked uh, at a few articles about it, and one of them was kind of talking about how in the European Union, it, um, regarding that rule, it's actually uh, it's trying to suspend uh, a rule requiring airlines to run most of their uh, scheduled services or else forfeiting landing slots. And um, I think a... Um, uh, an upside to um, what's happening is that I think emissions are being curbed during this time. So that's, I think, one of the positive uh, aspects about the airline industry kind of being uh, cut uh, and sliced in half. Uh, and then lastly, uh, the uh, article about something interesting, uh, mainly ostrich uh, eggshells. So ages ago, beads made from ostrich eggshells cemented friendships across vast distances. And you can learn more about that news on npr.org in the science section. So a new study was showing that uh, ostrich uh, eggshell beads, uh, they're more than just decorative jewelry for uh, hunter-gatherers in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. This was thousands of years ago. 33 years ago is when this discovery was made and how it bonded uh, people over time. And so this is the time, that time, 33 years, 33,000 years ago is when these unique crafts uh, were shared in these beads. They traveled thousands of miles uh, between groups of people and they cemented uh, when, they, when they first met each other and how they uh, were collaborative in their, in their efforts as a community. Their bonds were strengthened all because of these bees that they were, they were made. They were made there uh, in community with each other. And so, you know, promises were made or if they would see each other again, you know, they would share beads together. 
And in this time, uh, you know, you could think of it as, you know, if you needed help in a time of war or maybe, you know, if you had essentials, you know, like water or food that were in short supply, just look for those beads from a different tribe and the giver for support and you were, you know, really in good hands there. So it's an amazing story, uh, some historical um, information there, and I enjoyed uh, sharing it. So as far as the uh, podcast episode, I think it's great to sort of cover this topic because uh, zero waste doesn't stop because of a pandemic. And um, I think... Even now to talk about it, you would think that, you know, the the movement of zero waste in this country, in the U.S., or even globally is somehow pausing, but it's not. Um, I kind of was curious about, um, you know, this new information and how companies um, are cropping up or even ones that have been around for some time, how their uh, procedures are going on regarding waste, because Uh, Waste is really, you know, near and dear to me. Recycling, composting, and zero waste are, you know, topics that I just love uh, learning about, reading about, sharing information about. Um, And so, you know, I think it's a a great time to sort of delve into this. I think sometimes when people think about uh, environmental issues, they kind of um, fast track the the climate change or to uh, renewable energy or they they talk about other things that aren't necessarily where their trash goes or where their compost may go or even how to learn about compost or even what is that. So I figured to sort of talk about um, it in a way that is refreshing, um, easy to implement strategies so that you can kind of focus on, you know, where your waste goes and not like forget about it um, because enough waste is being generated Um, because of the pandemic and people are really scared to touch um, objects and products and stores are cutting their return policies and all types of other um, you know things to worry about but I figured you know why not talk about it now and the uh, headline on uh, grist.org where the story is from kind of caught my uh, eye so I was like why not jump on it Uh, so we're going to dive into you know, the start of uh, zero waste and how it's being, it's been affected um, a little bit during the pandemic. So first of all, businesses, businesses, um, we're going to start where where businesses have shifted focus. So I'm going to name off a few different uh, businesses, not um, all of your brick and mortar um businesses or or big department store level ones because they've been hit by the pandemic some aren't operating some are closing their their doors um already um there's there's tons to um you know know there are out there but a lot of uh stores um in the u.s are either shifting their operations either online or closing stores or limiting hours um cutting um uh, workers from their their uh, workforce, so there are a ton of different adjustments people are making during this time. 
Uh, so uh, businesses are doing what they can. And in some cases, like Starbucks, for example, it's limiting its personal cup use uh, that you as a customer or consumer would have uh, in bringing your cups to its store and also the, the other cups that you can buy from them that you would use like in store, like the ones that sit on their shelves uh, that you could use upon buying them. They're kind of limiting and cutting that access that you can have uh, during this, the pandemic of the coronavirus. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts is doing the same. Tim Hortons, uh, they are also cutting uh, personal cup use uh, from the outside um, to uh, their establishments. Also, Rent the Runway, uh, they are a, uh, um, a business online that works where you, of course, can rent your stylish clothes um, from them and you have that service of reuse of clothing that, you know, make sure that it doesn't go to a landfill and you use it for as long as you'd like and you just pay to rent uh, the clothing. Now it updated in its, um, FAQ or frequently asked, uh, question section on uh, its website about the coronavirus and it says, quote, there is currently no evidence that COVID-19 can be transmitted from soft surfaces like fabric or carpet to humans, end quote. So next we're going to dive into um, a small briefing of the, the perks of a zero waste and then get into what a circular uh, economy looks like now. So some of the... Um, I think perks of zero waste are that you get to reuse the different goods that you have as much as you have packaging sometimes. I even caught myself using um, different uh, plastic uh, cream cheese containers and glassware. I love reusing glass, um, even though it may not be good for cooking oil because you don't want it to break. But besides that, um, you know, it's great for putting ointments and different creams together. Um, all types of different things you could use your um, food packaging for once you clean it. And so um, the reuse is there instead of, of course, disposing of those items of, of the packaging. It's so great to use them. Um, and it's one of the greenest practices, you know, that you have, that you have at your disposal. Uh, not literally, of course. Um, and it prevents energy and resources from being spent on things like manufacturing and also shipping new things. You prevent that by using your goods over and over the containers that they come in, the packaging, um, reusing it for different uh, gifts, or um, you know maybe composting it, making uh, gifts from uh, some of those uh, packagings that you may have. It also does things like diverts old waste uh, from landfills, which I uh, do not support landfills and um, landfills being used and also oceans. It saves our oceans. Um, lastly, I think one of the things that um, zero waste is really good at is it helps create a circular economy, which um, the article kind of talks about, and it talks about how it's a, a no or it's a low waste system that encourages reuse rather than disposal. So uh, in the circular economy, uh, similar to the recycling symbol, uh, it's an ever uh, cir circular or, uh, or uh, cyclical um, uh, movement in which nothing has an end product of going out of the circle or out of uh, the loop. 
and so you have uh, whatever uh, items they are constantly being used, resourced, um, and 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 never disposed of. It is never an end goal of disposal or trash or landfill waste, and so everything um, is is repurposed. And I think that is part of a, a bigger solution, and um, it's it's a bigger solution to an ever big bigger problem, which is waste, which is trash. Um, that's a, a huge um, uh, problem in the world, not just in the U.S., because there are millions upon millions of tons that get disposed of every single year. And that's something that can be eliminated with us focusing uh, as a whole on a circular uh, economy um, of our waste and, and having that closed loop system. Uh, many companies nowadays are uh, turning to that. One of them is uh, Loop by um, TerraCycle and the founder is uh, Mr. Tom Zaki, who is an amazing person, one of my favorite environmentalists. Um, and he is like my hero when it comes to waste period he's the the best uh in i think the industry and he makes it uh, easy to do and fun and he has tips and knowledge that goes you know light years ahead and he's has no plans of stopping anytime soon uh, so next we're going to jump into a little bit about uh what the uh, circular economy looks like now uh, in the U.S. a little bit and then what it looks like during this pandemic. So um, businesses have shifted focus. You know, one of them is called ThreadUp. And ThreadUp is an online secondhand clothing store. I didn't know it existed a few years ago, um, but now that I know, I'm really glad because I do love um, uh, thrift stores. That's just like my thing. And if I can't always go to one in person, which, you know, there's a few near me, you know, within, you know, 15 or 10 mile radius or so, um, then I can definitely, you know, pop on to thread up. So they, they grew um, from receiving 4 million clothing items for resale in 2014 to 21 million in 2018. So that's a huge amount of growth, um, about uh, five times as much growth in just four years. So that's huge. So that means there's a huge influx of uh, clothing and, and goods that are secondhand uh, that are being uh, uh, reused and uh, resold. So that's a big, big leap. So that tells you the growth of just that one uh, store and how the industry kind of is uh, moving in a, in a high demand fashion. In 2019, uh, the fast casual chain Just Salad uh, says it diverted 75,000 pounds of plastic from landfills with its uh, $1 reusable bowls. So these bowls are, you know, sold for, you know, a dollar and um, they, the customers can, of course, just wash the bowls, have them at home or even, you know, uh, bring them back to be again uh, refilled with salad. Or, or maybe any of the other types of uh, foods that they have uh, being sold at just salad stores. So uh, those are just some of the, um, you know, new uh, things that some uh, retailers have done, some uh, restaurants and some businesses have started uh, doing uh, recently. Now, um, you know, I think the one thing that... Um, 
apart from every other thing that should be learned is that when it comes to things that are new, there's this perception of cleanliness, of things being untainted just because that they're brand, brand new, or we don't know where they came from, but they look bright, bright and shiny or, uh, or just perfect. But somehow reusable goods, uh, you have some skepticism about if they're sanitary, you know, if that clothing was washed. Um, if you found it from a consignment store or from a thrift store, um, you should always, of course, wash the clothing when you get home, uh, you know, get the clothing home. But there should be less stigma, I think, around uh, secondhand goods and clothing that you've worn um, because you can always just wash it. You can sanitize. There shouldn't be shame um, around uh, used goods because even on Amazon, like, for example, on Amazon, I love buying a good used book. And I'm not fretting and worried about uh, the cleanliness of it because usually you can just use a, a, a sanitizing wipe or maybe some Lysol if you're that worried, especially during the pandemic. But most often, viruses cannot survive uh, on uh, certain surfaces for you know days and days. They just don't work like that, um, and they need uh, you know damp environments. They need a host. They need uh, a, a warm body to to spread and have their um, their their cells multiply. And with a book, it's it's not that way. So um, I'm more um, I'm more cautious of when people. Um, they, they cast doubt on, on items that people have already had, um, you know, and that's a real shame. I think that there should be some real unworking uh, around, um, you know, old items and used items um, that are still good. They are still very good. There's nothing wrong with them except that they've had a previous owner versus uh, items where... There may be some packaging there, but you don't know the facility that it came from. You don't know if there was rats or um, other vermin or cockroaches or if it was in a dusty facility or it has asbestos around it. You don't know. It, it may look clean because it has wrapping around it, but again, um, you know, just being wary, um, I think, can be, um, you know, really useless. You know, you, you don't have to worry about everything. Uh, next, I want to uh, break down just a little bit before getting to the quotables is uh, what some of the experts have to say. So there was a few different uh, things being said uh, as far as experts uh, in the article. And so I'm going to quote uh, a few things. So quote, uh, depending on uh, temperature and humidity, coronaviruses can survive on hard surfaces like steel or plastic for two or nine days, but only if they don't have anything to stop them, end quote. And that was from uh, Vineet Menagerie, and he's an assistant professor of microbiology at the University of Texas uh, Medical Branch. And then um, Tom Zaki, he was talking about uh, the different types of like disposable um, packaging. And um, one of them, uh, he was talking about plastic bottles, which isn't really disposable, but the information was kind of leading towards talking about uh, sterility and that essentially um, 
you know, a certain level of micro uh, bacterial contamination is considered is acceptable and inevitable. And that is true. There are there are some markers across industries and organizations where they 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 don't worry about uh, uh, how uh, it's going to either affect people because there's there's it's already marked safe because it's gotten to a, a level, the contamination where it's viewed as acceptable as an industry standard. Like, for example, I think, um, you know, uh, at the FDA, I think um, there's a number of um, rat hairs or other type of animal um, uh, body parts or, or body um uh, sheddings that are in food and that's considered um, just like acceptable or inevitable or as a, a standard as in no other uh, type of animal droppings or whatever else off of an animal that happens to go in your chocolate or your burger meat or anything like that uh, is to be worried about which is disgusting, but that's just letting you know an example of one industry, of one uh, agency and how they monitor um, that. But that was kind of, you know, dealing with food, but packaging is, is you know, sort of similar because um, it gets processed and, you know, several companies have disposable packaging. Some companies have reusable packaging, but with, um, with Mr. Tom uh, Zaki, he was talking about the example of a plastic bottle and how it moves through a facility, how it's not completely sterile. So, you know, it's been touched. It's been, it has some dust on it that may have been, uh, you know, in the process of where it is, you know, and some, you know, facilities are probably dirty or, you know, the air is maybe not uh, filtered, right? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm just, you know, talking about, you know, the dust and everything, but, you know, it's how you know on pallets is what he was talking about so you know he's talking about how you know in in all honesty packaging isn't all completely clean unless uh, you are in an environment where something is medically uh, sterile then uh, you're you know good to go and I agree with him it's totally understandable it's it's understandable that um, you know there are some products where of course we want them to be sterile like gloves like medical uh, um, uh, bandages and masks especially during um, a pandemic but other things sure I do want them to be safe for me and if I'm consuming them or sharing uh, the food or you know anything like that but I understand that there's um, some room for error but I don't want it to get out of hand where companies can think uh, that they can um, you know cause havoc or not be safe in uh, their packaging and then somehow the public is harmed that's not acceptable but I don't think he was going uh, that route uh, so lastly, I want to just get to some notable quotables uh, from uh, the article. So the first is from Mr. Tom Zaki, the CEO of TerraCycle, and he says, quote, In no way should you take the message from me that a disposable package is dangerous. It's just not surgically sterile and not even close, end quote. And then the last quotable is uh, from the um, assistant professor of microbiology at the University of Texas Medical Branch, uh, Vinit Menagerie, 
um, quote, relatively minor cleaning will actually dissolve or destroy the virus. And so if you use anything with between 60 and 70% ethanol, the virus will be destroyed in less than 60 seconds. So I guess when it comes to uh, what's happened in the coronavirus age that we are in, um, how zero waste fits in is that it's pretty complicated. Because um, when you think of all the different industries that are affected right now, like I, I first thought about the essential workers, every industry you can think of when it comes to the uh, healthcare industry, the um, education sector, um, businesses and how they're running. A portion of businesses, I think I heard some statistics somewhere, 25 to 30 businesses, 30% of businesses are not coming back. Um, I, I thought about um, switching when, when uh, in, in certain states uh, in the U.S. to trying to um, now look at how education is going to be shifted from an in-person uh, school setting to online. So, you know, shifting our focus and our, our technology and all our efforts and, and money and taxes and time and everything that's going into, um, you know, making sure the equipment is there. Um, it, it, it made me think of all the, the, the jobs that may be cut or the how we're going to feasibly um, uh, have all the kids that are supposed to be, um, you know, uh, enjoying their 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 spring break, but they're gonna have to you know stay home and study from home, and that just may not be feasible for a lot of kids. Um, you know, mainly because they're you know thinking about you know going back to school, or maybe those who you know love uh, you know their their friends and, and seeing them, they don't know when they're gonna be able to see them. Um, you know, some, there are a lot of families, you know, who, um, you know, struggle with, um, child hunger, with, uh, hunger as a, as a debilitating, um, uh, event that happens occasionally and school was the place for, uh, getting their meals. And now that that food is going uneaten, does it get trashed? Um, how do schools even operate, um, uh, with, uh, no students there? Um, these are these are things I definitely thought about uh, when the schools are being shut down um, forcibly, and this isn't e- this isn't even on the elementary or middle or high school level. This is even colleges and universities um, all across uh, the nation. They're being shut down, and a lot of them, some of them are even have been struggling for enrollment already. Uh, so that is uh, something I thought about um, when I was uh, reading a few. Uh, magazine articles too, and some online. So, um, I also want to, you know, uh, impart um, uh, what's in, you know, the way of something being reused, because I know that that's one of the the mechanisms that we, uh, you know, uh, use, and so we have zero waste uh, because of that, because of reusing items. I don't think there's anything uh, that can get w- it get rid of um the 
perceptions that some people have about objects being, you know, dirty or undesirable. We need to get rid of those as, as a nation. We can't look at anything or in everything as being disposable just because we, we perceive it to be dirty. Just because you cannot get the spot off a mirror doesn't mean that it's dirty, that you should be, you should smash it and destroy it. And so therefore it goes into landfill. No. You should maybe use it as a craft project. Use it for um, maybe a garden. Use that mirror for something else. Maybe a makeshift dollhouse for your niece or uh, for a craft project or, or something else that uh, promotes reuse in that object, in that mirror. There are so many things, um, so many objects that I think people um, think that are useless because um, they don't see a need for it. Like, for example, used mattresses. Instead of chucking those on the side of the road, um, you know, because that I've seen, I've seen it a lot where people do that and they do it in hot spots, specifically in the county, um, where they think no one is watching and they'll chuck it or they'll do it in a, uh, a not so heavily populated area on a rural road, on a highway maybe, um, in front of neighborhoods, I've seen it, and it's, it's gross, but there are hotels that will gladly recycle those mattresses. Uh, Hilton, I think, was big on, um, especially the recycling, and I talked about it, um, I think, um, earlier this year. So, um, you know, Hilton is doing their part. There are other industries uh, that will probably gladly take the mattress as well, um, as, as long as it's not too defective or, you know, beyond uh, repair. But, you know, that's just an example of one of the things that there is reuse for. There's a market for it. We don't know if something's reusable and it can have uh, some prevented, um, uh, you know, landfill, uh, you know, um, ha happening of it. Then, you know, just, you know, ask the Internet, ask Google, you know, can this be uh, recycled? Can this be, uh, you know, zero wasted? Can this uh, be um, recycled? And, um, you know, there, there's, um, you know, issues around, um, what Americans did early on in the pandemic, which was the buying of toilet paper. Now we know that toilet paper sure is, um, most, well, a, a ton of, uh, toilet paper is, uh, made to be septic safe. Um, is it biodegradable? Most times, yeah. Um, but does that mean you should check it into the environment? No. Um, you know, a lot of, there, there are rolls and rolls of, um, uh, and toilet paper and paper towel rolls that have not been recycled. And I kind of thought about that while, uh, writing up my commentary and what I wanted to sort of focus on as far as like bullet points. I'm like, how many people have actually recycled the rolls of the toilet paper? I know that I do. Um, and, and so you there ha therefore have no waste, but how many people can't even do that? How many people cannot even recycle toilet paper rolls or think that it's an inconvenience? It's paper. It's a toilet paper roll. You know, I, I used to, when I was little and, and, you know, itty bitty and probably an adolescent preteen, I would relish in using them for like craft projects and dioramas and, you know, having them in art, and I would love those things. And the, the fact that people can't even see the easy reuse and, you know, preventing waste in that is is remarkable. Um, next, I want to talk about, you know, S, S just 
all stepping back um, and viewing resources um, that we can utilize during uh, the pandemic. Um, I know that there are millions of people um, that have lost their, you know, their work, their jobs, their uh, work positions. They've been out for, you know, sometimes decades, you know, recovering from the last recession. And now that we're in another, it's pretty scary. But uh, this, I think, is, is it's helping us, even though there's, there's plenty of downsides to this pandemic, like the, the number of deaths that have taken place uh, thus far, I think uh, since going through um, even this economic crash, we know how to, you know, rebound and maybe get, you know, back up um, in the years to come. Like we've never had a economic downturn on top of a global pandemic, uh, but there are so many businesses being started now at home. There are people who are buying properties and becoming homeowners and are investing in themselves and, you know, trying to, you know, be safe and travel. I don't know how far, but people are uh, still trying to live life, you know, albeit responsible or being careful. Some people are um, just trying to maintain some normalcy where we are right now. Um, I also want to talk about... Um, what maybe zero waste will look like in the future. And if uh, it will look like, um, you know, maybe maybe better that we'll, we will come out of a post-coronavirus age, uh, you know, in maybe some years, in maybe some months, what that will look like. Um, and, you know, how product packaging, how um, masks will even evolve. Because I know that masks will be... Um, will be used, people will keep these masks forever. There will be other airborne uh, viruses, other airborne pathogens, um, you know, and, and that will evolve. But will masks be biodegradable? Because there are millions, if not billions, of masks that will be probably used, sure, in the future, in the coming months, sure, but a ton of them are um, not biodegradable. And so where is that technology going to lead us? Uh, tons of masks, you know, especially the earlier ones, the N95s, for examples, for example, um, those were, were, were trash. You know, you could, you could see on any parking lot, some street corners, parks, etc. Even now, um, in the U.S., as far as the pandemic goes, where people would just throw their masks, um, you know, away because they had no uses for them. But if they were cloth or, you know, made of cornstarch or, or maybe, um, you know, maybe hemp or something else, then maybe they wouldn't be thrown away. They'd be utilized. Uh, lastly, I want to just um, briefly talk about hospitals and uh, disposal of waste for pandemics in the future. Um, I know that hospitals, they sort of have different protocols as far as uh, waste. And so there's medical waste and uh, in, in landfills that they utilize for like body parts or for um, different uh, hospital equipment that cannot be, you know, resalvaged. Sometimes it has to go to the landfill. But um, with the uh, different uh, medical uh, jackets and other things that people wear, I would think that there would be some advancements where 
you know, the, the coronavirus can't travel and attach the clothing. So that's what the, the article was, was what we learned, one of the things that we learned from the article. So maybe in the future, there can be uh, some biodegradable um, uh, clothing that can be manufactured in the future. Uh, the hospitals can uh, take hold of, um, especially from uh, diseases that aren't airborne, uh, and and that could be utilized because I know they see tons of different patients. But if you have something thinly veiled, um, something thin to use and and to uh, put that on, and you know maybe see a number of different patients a day, sure. But if it's biodegradable, it's definitely less on the environment than something that you wear. Um, that again is is that you wear and you you take off those scrubs or you discard them or what you do with them um, versus something that's biodegradable. And is better for the environment. I think is uh, something that to to be uh, to be made. And so I would I would look to um, those type of, of products, those type of solutions in the future. Mother Earth Minutes is where we review in the next few minutes proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode. And as always, protect Mother Earth. The message for this podcast episode is that there are some simple ways of how we can all protect what we know and what we love, and we can do so now. Uh, One of the first tips I think is really easy is for the reusable or even the secondhand items that you do have, they are of course unlikely to spread the coronavirus. So as long as these things are washed or even disinfected between uses, you're good. So there's no need to worry as long as you keep your spray on hand or even have a washing machine or maybe have a system at home where you're washing your clothes, you know, you know, and you're using a system that works for you and it's timely, you know, and your clothes aren't molded or anything like that uh, afterwards, you're good. Uh, this means that even when you're keeping your your reusable your wares your your silverware or plastic wear or reusable plastic wear which uh, is a durable uh, a set of uh, cutlery clothing equipment anything to have all you have to do is sanitize it um, things like your reusable cups your mugs your plates all it needs is some dish soap preferably the eco-friendly kind and then some water and you can scrub to your heart's content The second tip is to utilize buying uh, new uh, rather than secondhand. Uh, It won't protect you from the uh, coronavirus. So uh, utilizing that, okay, buying something new is definitely definitely not uh, an all-around good option, especially because secondhand just works just as well. Um, But you have to get rid of the mindset that, oh, because it's secondhand, maybe there's more harm in it or there is much more to worry about it, when that's just not the case. Um, You know, unless something is sterile, which we talked about earlier, then you have nothing to worry about when it comes to items. Because remember, the coronavirus can't really last too much longer uh, on different surfaces other than uh, something that's feeding it and it's uh, help uh, that's helping us spread it. So maybe like a a dirty surface or something that um, is is making the coronavirus uh, that much more harmful. Uh, any other surfaces that are clean uh, and that are sanitized properly will not usually carry the coronavirus. 
So uh, you, you know, are more likely to get, you know, the coronavirus, uh, as far as the article was saying, from buying something new that was like coughed on by the last person who maybe walked down uh, past the item versus something that's been sanitized uh, and, and washed with soap and water uh, that happens to be a secondhand item, like maybe a chair or a, um, you know, a, a gift set or some uh, glassware or something of that sort. Uh, number three is uh, to recognize the best way to avoid getting coronavirus uh, from an inanimate object, uh, whether it's you know new or used, is to of course not touch your eyes, your nose, your mouth after you touch the item. You know, a lot of times, uh, like I mentioned before in previous uh, podcast episode, um, you know, those are hot spots for us to uh, get infected uh, from uh, the coronavirus. And, you know, a lot of times toddlers or, you know, you know, babies or people who, uh, you know, touch their face a lot or um, just can't help it, that is um, really going to affect you. And so the coronavirus uh, will spread to you more easier. So whether you're shopping around for something, just try not to touch your face and, you know, carry some hand sanitizer on deck. Purell has the eco-friendly um, little bottles and the, the eco-friendly also the the hand sanitizer there are tons of uh, different hand sanitizers i talked about in a uh, podcast episodes uh, a few months back um and so i talked about t- all the varying uh, hand sanitizers uh, there and so i suggest you go ahead and check it out as well i'll see if i can uh, search back in my log and probably link it in the show notes for you And then last but not least, number four is to always protect yourselves with masks, gloves, things like hand sanitizer, uh, disinfectant sprays, wipes, uh, shields. There are different mask shields that people have and they wear, among other things that you can do to protect yourself from the coronavirus. Um, Staying indoors and away from people. If they don't have a mask, they don't come in. Um, and, you know, being careful of your health, health, protecting your space. Um, you should do this regardless, but if you're still worried about, um, you know, buying anything new and then coming into where you live, by all means, disinfect it. fact of the day is that global wind speeds are increasing possibly because of climate change and may increase the output of the world's wind turbines by as much as a third. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra Magazine in the March-April 2020 issue. The Eco Company Spotlight is the time in Greener Thoughts where if you like for me to go ahead and review your environmentally related product or service. It's a time to let me know about it and to get your ideas and your company information about what you have to me and, you know, let Greener Thoughts um, hear your voice and your messages about it. And you can do so by email or by voice message. Either way is fine with me. Uh, For now, I want to introduce a really great company or brand um, that I love called Morningstar Farms. 
And Morningstar Farms, um, if you didn't know, is a brand that's under Kellogg. And it's really unique because it puts a spin on flavorful foods that you, you know, know, you know, dearly, like burgers and hot dogs, etc. But it heats them, you can heat them up and prepare them, uh, mix recipes with them, uh, you, you know, and make something that's enjoyable or make a feast. And they have so many good foods uh, that you can uh, eat that you have uh, no reason to go ahead and uh, not try them. So as far as their uh, commitment to sustainability um, with Morningstar Farms, uh, their foods are vegan, are vegetarian. Some of their foods are kosher. All you have to do is search kosher uh, on their website. And for it's for those who you know really want to, to incorporate meatless foods into their diets and to break free from meat and to try new things. I love the some of the products that I got from there. The the uh, meatless uh, coarse ones and that's what their brand is it's all about uh you know not having meat but it tastes so similar um it's insane and it's insanely good um their other uh, brand that they carry that is under kellogg's is called incognito which is really cute um and it's similar to morningstar farms though it's a little bit different and all of incognito foods are 100% vegan and they do not uh, include anything that's dairy or eggs in their uh, ingredient list. But uh, for incognito, incognito foods, they are not um, gluten free. But all uh, incognito uh, foods are made with non-GMO soy and flavors are from natural sources. Regarding their product selection, they have tons of different plant-powered protein versions of some familiar foods that you may, of course, know. Things like burgers. They have uh, breakfast foods. Uh, chicken. Uh, it's just chicken. Uh, chick and an N. And then it's a playful uh, way of spelling chicken. They have dogs, like uh, hot dog-like products. Of course, all these things are plant-powered. It's all protein, no meat. Uh, meal starters uh, and uh, also uh, vegetizers is what they call them so they have uh, types of burgers like bean burgers ones made from chickpeas falafels which I love falafels I love me some good hummus so I'm a fan of chickpeas um, vegan burgers they also have uh, veggie burgers and specialty uh, type of burgers like pizza burgers uh, they have breakfast options like veggie bacon strips and other veggie items they have chicken uh, type products, so like chicken uh, nuggets and patties, which of course are not chicken, but uh, taste really uh, good just none, nonetheless. Uh, you have um, sort of hot dog-like products, so they have different varieties of uh, the, their uh, hot dogs that they make. Uh, they have meal starters, so things like crumbles, meatballs, strips, sort of those uh uh, foods that you can eat as appetizers and same thing with their vegetizers uh, but they're made to be sort of those hot and ready uh, foods like uh, poppers or like jalapeno poppers but they are uh, plant-powered poppers if you will. Uh, now um, regarding my experience of uh, some Morningstar uh, Farms products I love their veggie sausage, egg, and uh, cheese sandwich uh, powered by plants. So they made all of those foods 
um, and they were, they're of course plants or, you know, made to taste, um, you know, similar to uh, those things like eggs and cheese. You can sort of get away with that with soy, which is one of the main uh, ingredients. Um, I love soy. It's not so bad. Like I eat it every so often. Uh, but for me, it made a great breakfast. It was easy to uh, heat and, and, and bake. Um, I like the uh, biscuits with it, and so it, it comes, you know, just as crunchy and crispy and great. Less than maybe 15 minutes, um, I think 12 minutes or so was, you know, I think preferable. Um, so if you wanted that, of course, you know, cook through, you know, crunch there, and it's very, very filling. I bought several packs from Giant, and I ate every all the packs, um, and I ate every bit of them. I love the taste. Very much on the go. You could eat it, just, you know, bake it. Um, you know, have it as breakfast, as maybe a snack, but it's for, it's a traditional breakfast uh, sandwich. And I was shocked um, to not be eating meat because it was so convincing. Like, I, I had to recheck the packaging. Like, is this really, is this really meatless? And it's like, yeah, it's really uh, meatless. So that's telling you, you know, there are so many varieties of foods that you can eat that are not meat. So it's great for someone who wants to switch things up really affordable um definitely packs a lot you get i think two or so uh burgers in each pack and you can definitely uh, have them for a few breakfasts or so uh, morningstar farms locations can be found online on the website morningstarfarms.com and you can just check under the where to buy section um, online, uh, you can also buy their foods um, on Giant Foods website, on Instacart, on Safeway, uh, their website, also Target.com and Wegmans uh, online. And then you can buy their products in store at several different places, including Albertsons, BJ's, CVS Pharmacy, Dollar General, Gelson's, uh, Giant Food, or Giant as it's also known, Harris Teeter. Hy-Vee, Ingalls, Kroger, Meyer, Price Chopper, Supermarkets, Safeway Superstore, or just Safeway, uh, Stater Bros Market. They're also, of course, on Target. Uh, if you go in-store uh, as well, they're, on, they're at Topps Friendly Markets, Walgreens, Walmart, Wegmans, Wise, Whole Foods uh, Market, and many, many other stores. So um, regarding Morningstar Farms, it's on the following social media platforms of Facebook at Morningstar Farms. Morningstar is one word, but the S is capital. They're on Instagram as well. And they're also on Pinterest. Uh, all of their names are the same. It's Morningstar Farms. Uh, and also Twitter, uh, Morningstar Farms. And also on YouTube at Morningstar Farms. Uh, to contact Morningstar Farms, you can go again to their website, morningstarfarms.com, and then go, go to the Contact Us section to contact them. All right, so we've come to the end of the program. So thank you for listening in. As always, anyone who supports Greener Thoughts, I want to thank you. Uh, I would love for you to, you know, share this episode if you feel that it really touched you. Um, if you feel like you learned a few more things, if you are still chugging through um, in the time of the coronavirus and you're able to, um, you know, really appreciate 
um, you know, where you are in life and, you know, staying above water and, you know, trying to chuck through it. We're all trying to get through it. And uh, I do uh, wait for the day uh, when this is all over. And I know things will probably not resume um, as far as being normal uh, pre-pandemic um, because so many things have changed already. Um, I have several questions. You know, I have a question for you. Um, you know, if your waste habits have, um, you know, picked up during this year, you know, now that the coronavirus is out and about, have you even forced yourself maybe to conserve resources or, you know, saving money, practicing frugality? Um, I know that that is probably, you know, one powerful lesson to take hold of now uh, because, you know, resources, especially financially with a lot of people, um, you know, close to home and otherwise are, you know, dwindling and it's a scary thing. And I think, um, any lesson that we can learn is something that we can, uh, pass on to others and prepare for future pandemics so that the same things can't, uh, can't and won't happen again. Um, I know that anything I learned during this pandemic, I will, uh, carry with me for the rest of my life. I've never, um, lived through a pandemic, anything like this before, and it got to uh, the point where it is now. I just want, uh, you know, um, everything to um, kind of teeter off as far as the deaths in particular, because they're rising and they're steadily rising. And um, I just want for things to get better. That's all we can hope for. So thank you again so much for listening and be sure to check out another podcast episode. Until then, be safe and take care. Bye.